0: Welcome back to hoology podcast this is your host destiny today i'm joined by a very special guest the sexologist taomi morgan
1: hi how are you i'm doing great destiny how are you I'm
0: so good. I am thrilled to be doing this episode with you. I feel like I'm fangirling a little bit because <laughs> I just am like, oh my God, I love everything that you do. So it's it's truly to talk to you and just like you are the most welcoming, like down to earth person I feel like in this type of like lifestyle environment that I've met so far. So welcome and thank you so Aww. much for joining.
1: Well, it is my pleasure. That was always my goal. Like when I stepped into this work, I was like, I want to be a relatable person. I want to be someone that others who look like me can look at and just feel comfortable, like knowing that they have an example of what sexual freedom and liberation looks like. And then just having someone that they can reach out to and talk to when they are having their own, like, you know, hang ups in their journey with you know their their sexuality, so I'm um, I'm happy to hear that people, you know, receive that down to earth nature. Of course, but I've like I've spent so many years <laughs> cultivating.
0: Yeah, it definitely <laughs> can feel like a lot. I feel like when you're trying to like really navigate, even just like the networking and like relationships within this type of. Environment. Um, actually, one of the first things that like I saw that you were in was the Washington Post, and you were talking about, you know, learning to take power of like just you're sexy and things like that. So for you, how did you kind of grow from there and you know become a sexologist? Like that is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. The so the Washington Post. Um, I did the uh, the Lily. They had this whole thing they were doing with influencers from YouTube and they wanted to focus on like body positivity. Mm-hmm. And I think that was back in like 2017 mm-hmm. where I did that, which was great. So by that time in my career, like I I was already, Ooh, I started in, so like I was six years in. Okay. Was I six years in? It seems like yesterday, honestly, <laughs> but I mean, from so I started out my like career in my 20s as a model. Mm -hmm. And it was my goal to be like this big fashion model or like beauty model and didn't quite reach that goal. But I mean, some of the goals that I had, I was able to accomplish. But then when my career kind of took a shift, my dad encouraged me to use my natural gift for writing. And at that time, like back in 2009, 10, blogging was the new way, Yes, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> so it was like, I was encouraged to start a blog and I was like, all right, well then what topic should I write about? Something that you know I wouldn't get tired of speaking to others about. And I was like, oh, I know a lot about sex. Mm-hmm. And so when I was doing my research and everything, i was I realized that there weren't any prominent faces at that time, like back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. There weren't any prominent black faces mm-hmm. that were representing like actual health education. And honestly, being a sexologist or a sex expert was not a big job back then. Like yes, there were sex therapists, and there were you know, sex educators, but it wasn't like this popularized position yeah. as it is now. so i saw that there was a lack of representation for us and so i was like let me just step in here and be a voice Mm -hmm. and then i started my blog Mm -hmm. erotica101.com and i realized too like when i started i was in my early 20s and i was like i know that there's women that look like me that are going through similar things as me when it comes to sexual exploration and just things that are happening with my health and so i just really wanted to inform people Mm -hmm. and i used my own journey of you know, accepting my body and loving my body and also stepping into who I am as a sexual being every step of the way. I use like my lived experience, but then also my learned experience from study to just inform people, but also empower people just to be themselves. So I always say it's a journey. Like it's still a journey. I'm still on the journey, you know, because how I identified 10 years ago is not how I identify now. Yes. And the things that I was into 10 years ago, are like I'm, I'm into way more yeah. <laughs> now that I was 10 years ago. So it's like to know that I just journey and I get to also inform others as I grow. It's such a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. just seeing the lives of the people who I've impacted open up and just seeing how they're enjoying life more. That's like the greatest reward. Yeah. Yeah. I actually
0: feel like, I feel like I can relate to that. Like I've always, like, I just always have been talking about sex, I guess just like I'm, I'm always, but more, from more so from a curious standpoint or from like a questionable standpoint. And I feel like a lot of people in my, like inner circle at first were very like, Oh, like how, how dare you talk about this? Like this is supposed to be hush hush. Like I can never (laughs) talk about this. And I'm just like, I like to suck. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, be proud. Yeah. And then when you find this community and you're just like, Oh, this is not only normal, but like, there's still much, so much I can learn. And so much like I can, you know, grow to see, like you tweeted something recently about like an MFM threesome. And I was like, these are my people (laughs) like I've been dying to have one of those but like I can't tell anybody from my childhood like oh I want to you know fuck two guys they're gonna be like
1: you're going to hell bitch (laughs) and that's the thing about it too I feel like um you know the more that we have representations of folk who look like us that are proud to stand up and say this is how I express myself sexually then it kind of uh you know it helps to Lessen the stigma mm-hmm. because there's an assumption based on you know respectability politics yeah. that there's a particular type of person that would be vocal about their you know sexual desires and and just how they express themselves and and play with their eroticism and when you see a woman who's like who looks straight laced you know um, a a person who on the quote-unquote normative side of things, mm-hmm. be loud and proud, and it's like, oh, that person looks like me. They look like the girl next door, or they look like, you know, the, you know, everyday Joe schmo. But this person is able to embrace how they express themselves sexually. Well, then maybe I should look into, you know, how I can feel more comfortable in this space. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always gonna be that group of people who are suffering under the thumb of you know suppressed sexual desires because of their religious upbringing or you know um yeah. whatever like cultural upbringing they have but it's healthy as fuck <laughs> it's so healthy yeah <laughs> to honor this part of our humanity and i you know uh, i can't i couldn't imagine living my life any other way i just can't yeah
0: it, it probably feels very just freeing, you know? And I feel like I, I get to, I mean, I've, I recently married now. I always feel like I'm a retired hoe, but, um, I always feel like <laughs> even in my marriage, like I get to explore things that I wouldn't have probably gotten to do outside of my marriage because he's equally as like curious and equally as like, just, he's, he's down for whatever, for the most part. So, um, one of the things that we've been doing in our in our marriage is we've been going to like these nudist resorts so we live in florida and there's one about like 30 minutes away and we've become regulars there you know like we talk about being free and you know how it just feels like comfortable like when you're welcomed into this lifestyle into this space because it's so like vast like there's so many different avenues that you can go on whether you're single you know in a relationship, poly, um, swinging, whatever type of person you are, there's so many different avenues. So one of the things that we talked about was going to like a play party. Mm. And I know that you're in that space. So how did you transition from, you know, I mean, you're still in like the supportive and body positive movement and just, you know, sexual exploration side but how did you transition also into getting into like the play parties?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm trying to even remember, like when my first event was to be honest, but when I came into the lifestyle of kink in 2016, it just opened me up to many different more experiences. And so having experiences, and playing in like the dungeon at Exotica, and then being yeah. able to come yeah. into private play spaces, it just opened me up to a whole new world of of interaction. And so, um, I really wanted to be a part of events that felt safe to me. Mm-hmm. So I just started planning my own events and hosting events in different cities around the United States and even like overseas in Paris and Toronto I've done events in um, in Nigeria and in Kenya oh my so, God I, yeah I travel the world curating events and um, not not just play events but educational events tantric events just so that people can expand their awareness around sexual health and sexual expression. And I like to centralize people of color, Mm -hmm. especially people who are members of the African diaspora. That's important to me because we need spaces to feel safe enough to express ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was an easy transition to go from like, You know, being a blogger and doing things in the digital space and on YouTube to then hosting events. Like when I started touring in 2016, then I was like, let's just host all these other kinds of events. And now what I'm planning to do is start my own like lifestyle club. So people from anywhere can join. Mm -hmm. And in joining, then they get to have access to the events that we do in different parts of the world. So if they, you know... They want to travel to come and be at an event in Houston, cool. We're doing an event in Kenya, you want to come, cool. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of, like, creating community around people who want to have these, like, elevated experiences and be a part of a community of like-minded people who are going to have fun and, like, express themselves consensually and, um, you know, just have a good time. But, like, play parties are amazing because like unlike a swingers club, a play party, there's like a variety of things that could be going on, you -hmm. know, from the softest of intimate interaction to like the hardest of intimate interaction with some kink in between, you know? And so I just love creating those spaces for people, especially those who have never had like a play experience before, because I like to be like their introduction into the life. And like, I just hosted an event called black eden in atlanta yes. that was uh also co-hosted by orion who is now like out and in the lifestyle of being a nudist and just like a sexually free person so it was nice to be his liaison into you know his first lifestyle event and just knowing like now he's gonna tell his buddies he's gonna <laughs> tell his tribe and yeah next time they'll the next one but yeah like there's going to be more events I'm hosting this year and going into 2024 because I just want people to have fun. I'll yeah. Be free. I feel you.
0: So, like, what were some of the challenges, I guess, that you noticed early on, like when you first kind of started going to these parties as a black um, you know, just sexologist, I guess. Like, what were some of the things that you noticed that were missing from what you were seeing and that you wanted to bring into and
1: create for others? For me personally, it was just always like, I like closed containers. So I don't like an open door policy where, you know, it it seems like it's a cash grab more than actually creating a vibe. So mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to have spaces where whoever's ticketed and scheduled to be in this space, they're going to be in this space by a certain time. And then we're going to shut the doors. So that way there's only an out policy not an in um because again i'm all about energy and i'm all about having anyone who has collective karma together like keeping all that energy in to the in the room at one time so that way we can really catch a vibe mm-hmm. because if we're at this play space then all of us are going to interact in some kind of way at some point even if it's not a sexual interaction our energy is definitely mixing in so i For want sure everyone to be like on the same vibe. So that was like the main thing for me was just um, that level of intimacy that felt like it was missing to me. I didn't want it to only feel like, oh, we're just here to collect your cash and just give you a space to do whatever. It's like, yeah. no.
0: You actually wanted to create an experience
1: in a safe environment, yeah. not just exactly. an event. Like Exactly. So that's why I to just start doing my own... Events. And then, you know, I would say the one challenge overall is always like finding the right venue and and an owner of a venue that feels comfortable with you hosting a lifestyle event in their space.
0: Yes, that's the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually in the process of planning like a um, like a curiosity kind of brunch um, for people to just find, you know, whether they want to find clubs, events, um, parties, whatever, uh, just, they can be in one space and kind of talk like in our, in our just local community. And that's the biggest thing that I'm like terrified of is like, somebody's gonna be like, you want to
1: host a what? <laughs> like, <and they> gonna
0: <laughs> go be like, I'm calling the police on your black ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the thing. Like a curiosity brunch is just kind of it's almost like a munch in the kink community where, mm-hmm. like, people in the lifestyle get together with their subs and you know dress up and stuff, and you just brunch basically.
0: Yes, uh, Mistress Marley is hosting one. I'm like, should I go?
1: one <laughs> um,
0: coming up. Yeah. What?
1: Um, Wait a I'm not
0: going to dive into it, but I caught it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'll say this in, in our community, you know, our community is very unregulated. And so a lot of times there are people who will come into the space that really don't have the proper training and they can, tend to like cause harm, but because they have been promoted to popularity because of viral posts Mm -hmm. or because of press that they've received, you know, um, people don't do their due diligence to actually research and see if this person's ethical or not. And there are several people like that in the sexual health community that are floating around. Um, And the thing about it is like sex always sells. And so it's very appealing to people when they want to switch out of one thing and go into another to just come into the sex realm. And then people can be self-proclaimed, insert whatever title it is within the sex realm. Yeah. People can just, you know, pop in and say, hey, I'm an expert in kink. I'm an expert in sex positions. I'm a sex expert. I mean, you know, I'm an expert in whatever. And then use their lived experience, but then also don't have the training and like how to actually work with people, and I end up just cr- create like you know, causing harm. So like, there's just some people in this space that I choose not to personally associate myself with, simply because I do know their history, and I don't see a history in them improving their behaviors, or at least rectifying some of the things that they've already done to cause harm in the community. Um, not holding themselves personally accountable, but it's very easy to hide out in this space, especially when it is so nuanced and the average person isn't going to do their research. They're going to take right. you for where you're at right now and what you present and say, oh, this person's safe. But, you know, that's why it's really important when it comes to this industry to do your research because a little bit of Google search, you it's not hard to find certain things. Yeah, no yeah. matter how much people eat, great shit, <laughs> you can
0: Ooh, find these they say the internet is forever so that's I mean, real it, and it that's is. a very good point um because to become a sexologist you need you have to be certified right like there's training that goes into it that goes into that there's education that goes into that like it's yeah there,
1: there is it's there, serious there is i think people don't understand that it is very serious there, There is training and, of course, like, people can take their lived experience and just, you know, start a blog and become a sexual health advocate. But if you're going to start going into the coaching space or, like, doing body work or, like, working with anybody, you definitely want to make sure you get the proper training and make sure that you know how to interact with people, especially in, you know, you're dealing with, like, some of the most intimate parts of people. So knowing mm-hmm. how to be a mental health first aider, how to, you know, be um a, an appropriate bystander in like witnessing things happening to people and how to you know know how to report those things and mm-hmm. how to grant consent and to receive consent like all of these things matter in being like a coach in this space but also um let's say for instance a person wants to be a, a dom or a dame where they want to start like entering into ds like type relationships or even you know, maybe they're a sadomasochist and they want to, you know, learn how to do impact play or whatever. Getting the proper training from people in the kink space is really mm-hmm. important. That's one of the things people are going to ask, specifically those who are educated on how to enter into these relationships. They're going to ask like, "Who trained you?" You know, "Who are your references?" Right. In sex work, references mean a lot. Yes, um, because they do. References tap into um, your reputation. So, you know, it's not hard. Like when you start asking, not green folk, and green folk are those who are just now coming into the space. When you ask seasoned folk, people who have been in the space, you bring up certain names, you know, they'll tell you whether they've heard of them or not, or what they have heard of them or not. Because a lot of times, like let's say in a more experienced Dom, if you bring up a name, they haven't heard it, chances are that person's new, you know, and then figuring out where they came from, it's like, okay. Um, let's do a little bit more research. So there's yeah. a lot of responsibility that civilians have when they want to step into the lifestyle, whether it's kink, whether it's swinging, whether it's ethical non-monogamy or even just being in play spaces and even stepping into doing the work as a coach, you know, or even being a service sex worker. There's so many things to know and people have to understand, like, when you turn it into a business, there's even more you have to know. And yeah. how, how to interact with people and just to continue to maintain safety and not break the law, too. Because okay. that's a big thing.
0: <laughs> and it's a very, it's difficult because there's already so much like just sig- stigmatization against like sex work as a whole, like lifestyle as a whole. And it's like, why are y'all, you know, they go against the grain and they make it harder for people that are actually trying to like implement change for the better. So
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because I'm like, sex work is always going to be around. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't understand. I mean, well, I do understand. We live in a society where they want people to just be like sheep. And so yes. if you yeah. awaken people to their true sexual nature, then they tap into you know, their essence and the power that they have to create and also the power the power that they have to heal themselves through using sexual energy as the as a medicine. And it's like we could literally just embrace that and have a healthier society overall, but the powers that be don't want to do that. So right. being a part of this work is also a form of activism because we're we're doing something that um, the general public always see already sees as taboo but it's only because the powers that be have deemed it so mm-hmm. right yeah I, like it's just it's just wild like people could be having so much more fun in life and feeling so much better about themselves if they were able to embrace how they express themselves sexually and there's so many things that just kind of like pile on top of pile on top of the already repressed emotions and feelings around sex, like when people mm-hmm. are heavily medicated because they're li- living with chronic illnesses and the chronic illnesses are exacerbated by the food and the environment. Like it's just so many layers to why some people aren't able to really be as free sexually as they want to be. But for those that have the capacity mm-hmm. and those that already are in a healthy enough space mm-hmm. to be able to like make the choice to consciously, yeah, whether they're gonna explore or not is like, come on this side, like, come on this side <laughs> of exploration. There are people in this space who who provide like safety and who put consent first and who are willing to just be healthy guides into space into spaces of exploration. Yeah, and to give you the keys on what to look for too when it comes to knowing like what spaces might not be the safest or the healthiest for you to be in. For sure. I think like, like you're
0: saying, you know, kind of being, having that openness, having that just like community is, is a game changer for real. Like, you know, in one of the episodes I did recently, I talked about how after getting married, I felt bad that like my sex drive wasn't what it once was when I was like in my early twenties. And I was so ashamed to tell anybody because I thought like, oh, you know, I'm 28. I should be fucking like a rabbit. Like right now, like I should be just all my husband crazy crazy. And when I finally decided to like open up to my friends, not only were they like there for me, they were like, bitch, we going through shit too. Like, like it's right. not just like one person's working, her husband, you know, is dealing with his own stuff. Another person, like, they don't want to have kids. So they're they're working with, you know, dealing with hormone issues. Like it's a whole whole lot. But when you decide to open up, you realize that like, you know, you're not alone, but also there are solutions, you know. So I definitely agree with,
1: like,
0: yeah, having that community and just being open and, like, honest about things. Because a lot of the time, like, we just put that pressure on ourselves and it it doesn't need to be that way.
1: And it causes harm because, like, when you try to keep stuff a secret and then you're trying to be all secretive and finding solutions, you end up, like, acting in desperation and it leads you down the wrong path where it leads you to misinformation, right? And that can just cause harm but it's so crazy like when we open up and really just start being honest about the things we feel and the things that we're experiencing we literally realize that everybody is the same it's just on varying degrees at which people experience things or Mm. they experience it at a different time in life than you But there is, they always say, nothing new under the sun. It's like,
0: yes,
1: (laughs) the very people that you think got it together don't have it together and they're struggling in the one thing that you may be excelling at. And then that's why community is important because when you can reach out to people in your community. They may be able to give you some insight to help you move through an issue that you never would have thought of if you hadn't opened up and said something. This right. is why, for me, it's important to have public discourse around sex and just keep it casual. And yes. and, not, and for it to not be this thing that we only talk about in the dark or, all right, it's after 9 o'clock, let's talk about sex. It's like, nah. I'm like, <laughs> top of the morning, sweeps. Let's <laughs> talk about eating pussy. But it's right. 9 a.m. I haven't brushed my teeth yet. Well, don't brush, go and rinse. And then let's talk about <laughs> eating pussy at 9 a.m. Like, yeah. because if we just get used to inserting sex and sexual health and just sex topics in general into everyday regular conversation, then it's no longer this taboo thing. It's a part of our humanness, and we get to talk about it just as much as just like talking about. What we're going to eat for lunch, you know, or like this whole shower debate that's happening right now in the media. How many times should we be showering in a week? How many (laughs) times should we be fucking in a week? How about that? How many times, you know, like, (laughs) can we encourage more orgasms? Y'all talking about showers, like
0: okay, can we close the orgasm
1: gap? like,
0: please, and thank you. like <laughs> these are facts. um, which it's actually funny that you mentioned societal taboos because I feel like the this lifestyle in general, like whether you're you know one toe in or you're like deep in it, it just comes with so many just like what? you know, just like misconceptions <laughs> and misunderstandings yeah. and in your field, I'm sure like people are heavily miseducated. so. Um, <laughs> that brings me to our game of "Ho facts or no facts where we debunk the societal like taboos or notions around a certain topic so our topic is going to be around the play parties and this community <laughs> so if it's if i'm going to read read a statement and then if it's Hofax, facts that means it's true like you agree with it even if it's to an extent or if it's no facts it's completely false like People are just, they got it all wrong. Okay? So there's four of them. Okay. So the first one, ho facts or no facts, is black lifestyle parties are hard to find.
1: I'm going to say that's no facts. It's all about who you know, because a lot of the black lifestyle parties that are happening are within groups. So there's a lot of lifestyle groups that exist all around the country and even the world. And so you have to, it's like if you know you, if you are in these groups, or if you travel to, let's say, Desire Resort or Temptation Resort or Hedonism, when you go to these resorts, um, and even to clubs like Trapeze, for instance, you go to these places, and there's typically groups of Black folk that will be there. And Mm -hmm. chances are they are with a lifestyle group. So if you just get tapped in with these people, you will know when the stuff is happening so yeah. you it's have like to find yes you have to find communities in order to know what's happening and this is why i said i'm going to start a club because i'm like a sexual plug i know a lot of people in the industry yes you do <laughs> and so it's like being a part of my club it's like yes you can attend my events but then also I'll be posting about other groups and other events you could potentially, you know, visit because people mm-hmm. black people want to play with other black people. That's just yes. what it is. Yeah. And
0: you we want to feel and, safe. We want to feel seen. We don't want to have to worry period. about you know the things black people have to worry about. <laughs> so exactly. That's real. And I support it. I will be rooting rooting hard for you. I'm gonna sign up for the membership. <laughs> but that's real. Yeah okay, so number two, monogamous couples should not attend play parties.
1: That's a no fact. So Ooh. So the thing is about monogamy is that you can choose how you flex it at any time. You can be a monogamous couple that chooses to to be monogamous, like for your monogamy to be flexible where maybe on the weekends you open up and you decide to swing with other couples or even just open up to going to a space to watch. Maybe you both are truly voyeurs because, see, there's a difference between spectators and voyeurs. A spectator Mm -hmm. is a person or people who decide to go into play spaces just to watch and see what's going to happen because Mm -hmm. they have a curiosity but they're not necessarily aroused by what's going on. They just want to fulfill their curiosity. Voyeurs are people who are turned on and aroused by watching others and will often play by themselves without disturbing a scene that they're watching. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. So a monogamous couple they might just want to be spectators of what's happening just to like move themselves out of some type of like negative judgment around open, you know, free play or whatever. Or yeah. Maybe they find out that they actually are voyeurs and they get aroused by watching others play. So then they can decide to go to a swinging event and just be voyeurs and play with each other and then leave, you know? I love that. So, yeah, there's this idea that people have to be open to swinging or they have to be open to sex with others in order to go to um, a play party or in order to go to like a swingers club. But that's not true. You and your monogamous partner might just wanna be in sexual energy or you might wanna experience like something kinky and you know there's gonna be somebody who's doing rope time or doing flogging or whatever. And you give that that top the permission to like interact with your body or with your partner's body or to teach you something. You know, couples that play together, stay, come together, stay together. That's just what it is, period, yeah, I agree. in the play space. But, You don't have to necessarily be someone subscribing to ethical non-monogamy in order to be in a play space. You could totally be monogamous and and still flex the space to meet your your needs and to maintain your boundaries.
0: I love that. A monogamous flex. I'm going to go around telling people about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Be flexible in your monogamy. Yeah. I love it. Just yeah. because you open up for a night doesn't mean you're open for right, life.
0: Right, right. I like that.
1: Okay, number
0: three is lifestyle parties can feel segregated.
1: I'm going to say that's whole facts depending on where, where you go. Because if you go into a predominantly white space that's led by cis het male mm-hmm. and you're black, you're definitely going to feel the, the segregation in that. Um, and a lot of times play parties or lifestyle parties are segregated because they're split off into groups of you know, different activities. So you might have one space where there's gay people interacting with each other. You may have another space where it's couples swinging with each other. You might have another space where people are just cuddling. You might have another space where people are doing the flogging and wax play and all kind of other kinky shit. And then you might have another space where people are just performing oral sex. Like there's definitely going to be segments inside of play spaces. And that's for the purpose of just creating the energy of whatever activity is going on there. So, you know, it's really all about number one, making sure that you find a space where you vibe with the energy of the people there, so that way you just generally feel accepted and embraced. Mm-hmm. But then, finding a the space within the event where you feel comfortable to express yourself erotically and whatever that looks like, so then you won't feel like, you know, you're you're not welcomed in a space mm-hmm. or like it's just completely segregated. You'll be in a space with the tribe in the way that you want to be um, interacted with and in a way that you want to interact with the space.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, number four is the lifestyle community is very close-knit.
1: I would say that's whole facts because um, it's like a subsect of society, And also, you got to think about it like this is intimacy, Mm -hmm. you know, like the things that everyone chooses to participate in, these are very intimate things, you know. And so some people um, live by the codes of uh, discretion. Some people don't want the outside world knowing what they do in their free time with their sexuality. Talk about it. Girl, my time when I was a sugar baby, everything
0: was, can we be discreet? Can we be discreet? I'm like, ain't nobody checking for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they want to be discreet because especially if they are high profile individuals that are married, then they don't want to be outed by you know co-workers or they don't want to be seen and then potentially caught and then end up in a messy divorce right. or even end up in the news or on the blogs and so discretion is key and it's a tight knit community because also safety mm-hmm. like um you don't want people coming into the lifestyle who would mean others harm who who don't understand rules of engagement who don't understand rules of community because like being a part of the lifestyle doesn't mean it's just a free for all and you can just grab somebody and just start fucking them. Like there's still negotiation, there's still consent that has protocols that have to be followed. There, you know, safety is the biggest mm-hmm. thing. So that's why it's a if you know, you know type situation. Like if you're if you're in the circle or you know people that throw events or you know about clubs and stuff, then it's like you know. But it's not for everybody right. at all and some people like are extremists where they think it's okay to attack others whose views they don't agree with mm. so some people are um very puritanical or evangelical in their thinking when it comes to sex so if they had public knowledge of like where sex groups are meeting up or you know sex clubs exist they might you know try to harm harm people that's true. so that's we're close-knit for safety yeah for safety that's the main thing is is making sure that the people who are invited to these spaces are going to maintain um discretion and are going to uh, maintain safety and consent
0: yeah so actually that's a good point so when Let's say you are a newbie in this space, like you you find a community, you find a group, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to my first play party. Do you have like a set of you know etiquette guidelines or things like that that newbies should follow?
1: I do, and it's funny because I'm gonna be working on like an actual guide, like a guide for threesomes and group play and a guide for like play party because people need yeah. it. Um so first things first, is knowing what your own boundaries are, you know, and then also knowing what you, the range of things that you potentially want to experience at a party. Mm -hmm. So you go in saying, okay, these are the things I want to experience. These are my boundaries. And then making sure you have things to take care of yourself. So like, you know, have your lubricant, have your condoms, you know, for people who bleed, like have your tampons or your barriers <laughs> in case something comes down suddenly, you don't know, have your breath mints, you know, um, be prepared to ask ask the questions of like, you know, um, STI status, That's you a know.
0: A lot yeah. of
1: places be, be like, oh,
0: fill out this vetting application real quick, please and thank
1: you. <laughs> I think it's, it's a HIPAA violation to, like, ask people to reveal what their status is, like, on a piece of paper. I never
0: thought about that until just
1: right now. It's a HIPAA, yeah, it's a HIPAA violation. So, technically, like, the only thing that we could do is have a clause that just says, like, you're responsible for, you know, that level mm-hmm. of vetting. So, like, have them fill that out on paper and then have them wear a special badge or, like, yeah. that's, just, no, that's yeah. just not proper But being comfortable with being able to ask the questions um, and then um, making sure that there is a safe word established and also like um, if they're coming solo, making sure someone knows where you're at.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so a lot of times like these situations are like private. Private locations, and they don't give out like the addresses and things like that. But at least having somebody on emergency speed dial if you're going somewhere solo or identifying the people in the space who are there to maintain safety. Mm -hmm. So, like a guardian or a manager or somebody who's like there to run the space, make sure you know who they are so that you can find them in the event that something is going awry. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like, just being aware of drug and alcohol use. Yeah. Um, just, just be real. These things go, go on. And so making sure you pay attention to sitting down your drinks and, like, you know what I mean? All the normal things that you would think about when you go to a regular party. But for a sex party, being prepared for any sexual activity that may occur, being prepared to maintain your boundaries and state your boundaries clearly Um, knowing what you want to experience in the space, knowing where the exits are in the space, Mm -hmm. knowing what is and is not allowed in the space, who are the guardians of the space. And then knowing how to interact with people in active scenes. If you are going to be a voyeur, you know, Um, not interrupting anyone, not trying to insert yourself, (laughs) Um, Yeah. So all these things are good to know. Also like dress code and everything. And then also how to, how to interact with the space because um, you know, cleaning up behind yourself is important.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I've been to a sex club and they were like,
1: here's some towels and some spray.
0: Like so
1: that's,
0: that's a good point. All of those are, I think, very good points. Like you said, it's no different than if you're going to go out somewhere else, but like you said, enforcing that consent, rem- like you know, rem- remembering your boundaries, but also respecting other people's boundaries, Um, and then just again having that point of like safety of, hey, something's going on or whatever. The alcohol one is a big one to me because I feel like when you go to these parties, you want to relax, especially as a newbie. You're like, okay, I, I need to relax. Like, I- what if I say this? What if I look like this? What if I smell like this? And You know, so you're drinking, you're drinking, you're not really realizing, and then you reach a point where it's like, oh, shit, I had too many, and now I'm drunk. And, you know, then all the other stuff goes out the window because you're no longer, like, in a, you know, logical mindset.
1: Exactly. You can't, you cannot clearly enthusiastically grant consent when you are drunk. So at that point, it's like getting to safety. Yeah. That's the main thing. Um, because others may not may not be able to read that you're inebriated, you know some people get drunk and they look kind of normal, yeah, you know and they and they're not slurring words and stuff like that, so they seem like they're there, but they're really not, and so those are really important things to know, and I will gladly write the guide <laughs> because I I love like I, I love being in play spaces and hosting play spaces and just seeing people open mm-hmm. up. So yeah. Just do it and then also do your research about the place that you're going to because if it's already an established like club, like a facility that exists and they throw parties regularly, then you wanna do your research to see like what kinds of people attend these spaces. Cause some spaces can be racist and you don't wanna walk as a person of color, you don't want to walk into a space that's um, meant for people who are non melanic. Yeah. <laughs> like, they need like a green book, but for sex clubs, <laughs> like
0: right. That's for there. real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's because you don't want to be that token black in there. Yeah. Like, and nah. then it turns into like a fetishization thing. Like,
0: we're not about that, but or or a safety thing, you At know. All. But um we actually had some similar questions from a couple of our listeners. Um, so the, the main question I feel like that the people were asking was how do you find and or get invited to these parties?
1: So you wanna go to spaces where these types of things uh, can potentially occur. So like for instance, um, going to an erotic poetry set or going to um, toy parties right? Like if you know a local bedroom candy consultant mm-hmm. that person will probably have a network of individuals within the sexual health space. Um, Googling lifestyle events, even searching the hashtags on social media. Mm-hmm. Looking up sex workers, looking up doms, looking up like, you know, events like Mocha Fest, mm-hmm. right? They have websites and they have social media pages and um, you, and even like looking up resorts like hedonism. If you go to these pages of these businesses, people in the comments more than likely are going to be lifestyle members. Um, Even looking up like poly groups and stuff like that. You just got to do your research to find the people who are players in the space. And we start with sex workers and then you start with like, um, it, like resorts and sex-driven like trips, um, and you search the people who follow those yeah. pages. More than likely, you're gonna follow. You're gonna find lifestyles and then you can find people who are in your area, and that's how you do it. You gotta go out and find those people in order to receive those invites, or even look, you know, search hashtags and look for the events in your city, and just take a chance and go. Yeah, like yeah. Get, get a few other people and go because if you're a single male looking for places you're going to pay the most money most of the time oh okay <laughs> That's the truth. but the, the key, key is to couple up exactly. you know get a partner and go as a couple so that way you're not perceived as a threat <laughs> it's the space as a single
0: man yeah i do the same i follow a lot of people like that I see in the, in this lifestyle or community and I'm like, Oh, let me see. Or they'll repost something. And I'm like, this is cool. Um, so I definitely agree with what you're saying. The like nudist resort that we go to, they actually do like cruises Apparently, with uh they partner with temptation and I don't know that temptation does cruises. I said, Let me I'm gonna sign up for uh next year's cruise because that sounds like a blast. Temptation and desire,
1: they both do cruises.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and I'm dying to go to hedonism. My mom has gone like three times, and I'm like, you know what? Let me go. I need to get bent over a balcony or something. Who knows? But Next question. I mean, you can get bit <laughs> over a balcony at any hotel right now. <laughs> no I can't. I'm hotel. at a hotel right now, and we do not have a balcony. We got windows,
1: no balconies. <laughs> it's like you gotta find, you gotta find the hotels that have balconies, and just go ahead and do it one time for the fun time. Like you could do that on the. It's on my second you know? bucket list. But, so I need to get it cracking. But hotel, I mean, um, hedonism is a lot of fun. I've been. It's yeah, it's just amazing to be in a space where you have the choice to be nude all day yes. or you could wear some clothes and still like have sex wherever. Not in like, the main areas, but like pretty much you can have sex wherever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On resort. I love
0: it. Uh, the next question we have is I want to create or host my own party. Where do I start?
1: Well, first and foremost, you want to start with making sure that you have an established entity where you can become insured, because if you're going to start hosting events, you got to start thinking like a business person um, with all the logistics that go into that. So first and foremost, making sure that you have insurance um, to protect yourself and your business. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, asking yourself what style of event. You know, because if you just want to like have a sex party, then it's like, okay, is this something that I want to open up to people that I know, or am I looking to open this up to people within the lifestyle, within my community and charge them? Because if that's the case, then that's going to determine what your venue is going to look like. Because if it's just a personal thing amongst friends, then your first venue could be your Mm -hmm. home. But if you're bringing strangers into the mix, then it's all about, okay, finding either an Airbnb where you could potentially host, which would also mean having to finesse what you're <laughs> saying your Airbnb is for. Yeah. Or you could get a hotel suite and do it that way, or rent a few rooms at a hotel. That me of high school, yeah, room. But they still do this though. Like a lot of lifestyle groups, they do hotel takeovers, yeah. you know? And so um, you know, doing the hop from room to room. So it just depends on the style of event that you want to mm. do. Really being aware of that because you could do a kink event where, you know, you create a dungeon or you go, go to a dungeon and you host it there. Like there's just so many different themes of play that could be interacted with. So that's the thing is just to really figure out am I doing this for public consumption or just for personal, personal consumption with family and friends? Or, um, and then and then making sure that you have the insurance to protect yourself. If indeed you're going to turn it into a business where, you know, it's going to be for capitalistic mm-hmm. gain as well as play, then making sure you have the insurances in place and, and you know what comes along with actually hosting an event, um, knowing how to create consensual spaces, making sure you have people in the space who mm-hmm. are, Especially if you're gonna have more than like 15 people, mm-hmm. people in the space who can make sure that you know safety is being maintained, uh, security. You know how are you taking how are you taking care of like the ticket sales and like the, the revealing of your location. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of logistics that go into planning these events. If you're gonna do it for the capitalistic gain. And, and you're going to build a community around it. Right. Yeah. So just, just remembering all of those things. Um, but if you just want to start with other freaky friends who are like, I want to get together, then just host pers- host, some personal events at your residence yeah. first, or get together with friends at an Airbnb for quote unquote sleepover, <laughs> and you start there. And then see where it goes and see if you have the capacity to be able to, like, host more people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like my friend group is pretty much like that. Like, we've all gone to the swingers clubs and the nudist resorts. And now we're kind of venturing into, like, the play areas. And it's nice because I have people that I actually know and feel safe with, like, with me. And they're also, like, I get to also, like, see them just being happy exploring their sexuality. So, that's yes, very exactly. exciting. And I think that was a great, great answer and great pointers. Um, I have a girlfriend that's trying to host her own like orgy. She said she wants to host. So she's.
1: Okay. Um, oh, and vetting. Like if so, <laughs> there are some, there are some spaces that don't vet. Like it's just, if you, if you're going to come in and you want to pay this fee, then you come in pay the fee, sign the paper, and then you're in. But if you're gonna curate your own events, I would suggest vetting people. So having them fill out a vetting form where they also send in a picture of themselves so you know who you're dealing with and you can also gauge like what their level of experience and the lifestyle is. And then you get to choose whether they're invited into your space or not. I, again, as a curator of events, and wanting the vibe to be a certain mm-hmm. way, I like to handpick people to come into the space because I know like what their intentions are gonna right. be, and also I know like like physically who's gonna be in the space, you know, like what people actually look right. like. So, um, that is something that I would highly suggest to is vetting folks before you just give them an invite.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you don't want anyone there that's going to make someone else feel uncomfortable or jeopardize everybody's safety and throw the whole event off because people then are never going to come to another one or they're going to be like, well, last time, you know. So that's very real. And I think it's very proactive of you to be like, hold on, let me take my time with this. And like you said, handpick people, so
1: hmm because you want everybody to be on the same vibe. And then also, like, you just want to make sure that your event is specifically curated for everybody to have a good time.
0: Yeah. Well, I so look forward to whatever or wherever you host the next Black Eden at Tampa. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I will definitely be there to support. Um, but I really want to thank you for being on today. Like, I have learned so much. I feel like my listeners are just gonna be like, I cannot wait to follow this lovely educator, sexologist, just queen. So, um, thank you again for coming on. Um, of course, I'll have your socials all over my social media, but where can they follow you?
1: Well, you all can follow me on Instagram at real Glamazon Tayomi and on Twitter at Glamazon Tayomi. You can check me out at thepleasureacademy.com, at glamorotica 101com and my YouTube, which is also glamorotica 101 And if you forget anything, you can just put Timmy Morgan into Google, and you can find all of my social platforms. And look out for glamorotica 101club which will be my lifestyle group for people who want to join and get tapped in and plugged in to what's happening across the lifestyle sphere, but also be invited to the events that I throw. And, you know, Tampa, Tampa, I've had more people requesting in Tampa. So I might have to, like, pop down there and come and just, do something. Just a little,
0: fun, so, you know, it ain't got to be too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But I love that. And I cannot wait to continue to support you. So thank you again. And happy hoeing, guys.